this time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Kill the Patient! Hello, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that is more than what it seems, or less, or something else, or just exists in a different plane of existence that you cannot comprehend, something in that range. I am Gepwin, and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dr. Izix. Hi! And this week, I'm going to say the name of the episode first, because I always get it wrong, because it's French. And if you listened to a couple episodes back, you remember how I feel about French. <laughs> Complicated, <laughs> to put it. Yeah. This is the the Dauphine, which my literal entire life, my entire life until last week when I had to actually look at this episode name, I thought was the Dolphin. <laughs> well, I believe there's some relation there, technically, but yeah. Yeah. It's French. <laughs> so yeah, the Dauphine. Which is a, a, a reference to the, uh, uh, I guess, the coat of arms or symbol for the heir of the uh, throne of France. Yeah, it's the it's the title for the heir apparent of France between 15-something and something-something. It's, it's, I had yeah, a, it, I looked it up before. But. Yeah, well, they kind of retired it for a while during the whole revolution thing, you know, in the late 1700s. They brought it back for a little bit, but then, you know, it's like, oh, hello, I'm Napoleon Third. Yeah. Surprise. Uh, and uh yeah <laughs> so it's about an heir apparent is the, is the thing is the main thing yeah that we got <laughs> so this uh is one of those ones that you kind of remember because it's the wesley crush episode mm -hmm. the wesley crusher crush yeah episode. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> so great yeah it's not it's not the best but you know it's there it's it's somewhat yeah. memorable yeah the uh, there is technically another wesley crusher crush episode but it's more of a Oh, we're kind of crushing, but we're getting pulled into a weird plot. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is Which, also strange. Yeah. <laughs> this plot doesn't make a ton of sense, as we will see. And there's some... I don't want to talk about this episode. I'm stalling because there's some, <laughs> there's some interpretations that one could have that I don't want to have to talk about. Well, don't worry, Gip, but I, I, I have a strong feeling I know what the interpretations you're talking about there. And I also have a different one. So that if we needed to, like, change gears, I, I got you covered. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> it's not a good one, but it's either, but, you know. <laughs> so this episode was written by Scott Rubenstein and Leonard Mladeno. I'm sorry. Both of us were trying to figure out how to pronounce this name. It starts with an ML, which, as far as I know, is unpronounceable in English. It's like Mladeno or Mladeno. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Mm -hmm. um, both of them were pretty well-known TV writers. Uh, Rubenstein was known for TV writing and story editing. Uh, worked on series like Night Court and MacGyver. And uh, several yeah, Next Generation of, episodes. Yeah. <laughs> was uh, also involved in the Outrageous Okana. Yep. As a uh, story editor. But I believe this is the only one he actually wrote. So, All that stuff. And then um, Laudano, however I'm deciding to pronounce that. Leonard. We'll yeah. call him Leonard. Good old Len. <laughs> Lenny. My man. My man Lenny. Yeah. Um, he is a bit more interesting because he was known very well as a theoretical physics who worked on large N expansion, which I need. What is what? Help. What is this? L large N expansion? Yes. Uh, there's a couple of things I've 
thinking of with that, so I, I don't have to, you know, give, give me a minute. <laughs> well, there's like, you know, ends as in like, you know, a, a series of mathematics here where you got like an infinite series uh, and you go to a large, uh, you know, end value to, you know, at the end of your series. And Okay, I mean, also, you know, that I know from math. <laughs> Wait, there's a link here. Large in expansion is a quantum what? field theory mm -hmm. and statistical mathematics. So uh, in uh, in terms of, you know, sort of that infinite series mode, though, you can also have in quantum, uh, you know, field theory, sort of pictures of quantum interactions where you have uh, sort of the main interactions where you got, say, an electron you know, bouncing off another electron. And uh, between the two, there's an exchange of photons to carry the momentum from one to the other. Uh, but in quantum field theory, they, you know, it's suggested that you could have a situation where, yeah, there's this photon going between them, but what does the photon do between those two points? It could spawn, say, a matter-antimatter particle that then self-annihilates and then recreates the original photon to interact. Now, was those, uh, you know, those two new particles doing in between point A and point B? Well, you could then have them interacting in some way, or they could interact with uh, themselves, even, or the original electrons could interact with themselves. And you start adding these sort of sub-operations between point A and point B of, in this interaction. Uh, and so you could have conceivably a very large number of things that have technically happened inside you know, you know, these two particles bouncing off each other. And so suddenly you got all this stuff here, and... Where, where do you end? Where, where do you cut it off? Tell us, Gepwin. I don't know. I don't know why you all sit around and think, like, well, what if this photon did some inexplicably weird shit that doesn't make any sense? It's like, I, I don't I don't know. Well, the thing is, it does make sense, and that's the problem. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you, you have this interaction happening, you know, within a, a, a small section, slice of time and space, but all the stuff that could possibly happen there is, you know, copious in, you know, nature. And so, you know, there's, there's sort of a, a combination of where you just keep adding up terms here, and each one has a minute possibility of happening. But, you know, there's, uh, you know, certain uh, ways of sort of doing this where you could conceivably have an infinite number of these terms, and suddenly you have an infinite, you know, energy thing going, running away here, or you, you got your, your weird interactions suddenly causing all sorts of things that should be, you know, breaking everything we know about physics. So <laughs> in terms of, you know, you know, matter is stable. Uh, and so you, you have to sort of cut it off at some point here, but where you cut it off or, you know, or you could alternatively have sort of, you know, the infinite series, but, you know, you're going to have a sort of fudge term to just sort of undo certain amounts of it or something like that, a dampening or something like that. And so you, you have to sort of think about these things. We're doing these large, you know, uh, particle, uh, you know, interaction sort of uh, pictures here. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get answers that are actually measurably wrong. So, OK, <laughs> but, so it's the quantum. Yes. It's the quantum physics version of rounding. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> So where, where, but where do you cut it off, Gepwin? We need to know. <laughs> well, right now, because after doing that, he wrote a bunch of books and uh, wrote for popular shows like MacGyver, as you know, like the other dude did, and uh, wrote some computer games with Steven Spielberg and Robin Williams, and worked on a movie called Beyond the Horizon, which got very terrible reviews. Beyond apparently. the Horizon, uh, writer. Uh, it's apparently about Stephen Hawking, I guess. Uh, as a twenty-something reporter, sign of the. Religion beat of London Times, 
It's on a deadline to write a feature story about the cosmology, the meaning, existence, the health, the anniversary of Einstein's proposal of special theory relatively. Cool. I <laughs> <laughs> also got too many guest stars, but I'm only talking about two of them. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Jamie <laughs> Hubbard plays Celia. Um, she had minor roles in movies and TV shows like uh, Hitchhikers, Ellen, The Platypus Man. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it didn't get uh, much for her uh, after the plot of Puss Man, uh, mm. which I, I guess maybe is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, she later became a psychotherapist, so I guess uh, the plot of Puss Man didn't work out very well for the acting <laughs> thing. Also, again, this is another time that they brought in a love interest for Wesley, and for some, they keep doing this. She is 10 years older than him. Whoops. <laughs> they keep doing this. It's weird how many times they do this with Wesley. Yeah, there is, you know, a general uh, thing that they do in a lot of, uh, you, know, you know, film and TV productions where you have someone who is in their 20s or even 30s who's playing a teenager. And, you know, for the most part, that kind of works. But when you're actually having them going, you know, alongside another teenager in a scene, you can get a little weird. Yeah, when you're interacting with the other teenager. The reason that they that they do that consistently on TV shows is so your actors don't visibly age the way that a teenage mm -hmm. actor would over the course of a couple seasons of television, which isn't exactly. a problem with one-off characters. But also, it's because there's actual um, federal restrictions on how much intimacy you can show teenage actors having on screen. So Indeed. you have to have 20-year-olds playing t high school students if you want there to be any kind of physical, physical intimacy in your TV show. Yeah, otherwise, it's like, well... You can kind of get away with a lot just by saying that they're actors. And yeah, they're like, no, that's not, that's not cool. So the other main guest star in here is Patty Edwards playing Anna. She began acting in the 60s and worked until her death in 1999. Well known for mm -hmm. voicing a number of Disney movies. Um, she voiced Flotsam and Jetsam in The Little Mermaid, which uh, I don't know who voices them in the remake or if they even exist. <laughs> also in Phantom 2040. Uh. And uh, Atropos, <laughs> one of the fates in Hercules. Um, the lab computer in Brave Little Toaster to the rescue. And the satellite in Brave Little Toaster goes to Mars. <laughs> Wait a moment. The computer's stalking the Brave Little Toaster. And then her final voice role was in the goofy, well, the extremely goofy movie where she played a receptionist. Yes, uh, yeah, sort of, I guess, contemporary with uh, that. Uh, she was also involved in something called Pepper Ann, but... You know, you know, similar sort of release times there. You know, the series was going on before then. So, yeah. Yeah. Goofy movie. Right. That's all the things. It's all the things. She's, but she was also in Voyager is Voyagers and Chris Counselor and Trapper John MD and the other stuff that we used to talk about a lot <laughs> in the, you know, the original series. Yeah, because she, she was acting during that period, though she didn't wind up on the original series. Probably would have okay, if it cool. had kept going. Maybe in the, uh, the, the in, you know, the, uh, you know, the, in truth, no beauty uh, episode. Uh, then the, uh, it could be a reunion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. So we're here. We we're we're at the story. There's some themes. There's some unfortunate themes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're relevant to our times. Pay attention. You might spot one. <laughs> All right. So the Enterprise has arrived at Klavda Three, which is a miserable little planet. 
with, with all kinds of in, uninhabitable gases yeah, and such. Crazy ionosphere causing all the usual ionosphere problems. But it is incredibly secure, and it's where the people of Delid 4 send their future leader for 16 years so that they can be raised in seclusion and safety, but now it's time for them to return home, and they got the Enterprise to schlep this person along, because it seems to be mostly what the Federation is for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, Federation, uh, you're all about, like, peace and stuff, right? We want to have peace, so uh, can we get a ride? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is going to take a bit, though, because timing LaForge timing <laughs> he has to make some adjustments to the lithium control circuit so they have to turn off the warp engines when they have to do this whole we're escorting a dignitary somewhere thing yes couldn't have waited like you know number of hours nope yep <laughs> and he's being assisted by wesley who runs out to grab some sort of super magnet or something super duper electromagnet they contact the planet and they're only allowed to do audio probably because of the interference or some such and they ask what species they are before coming on board suspicious possibly weird no one does that. What, what go, what's going on? <laughs> so Picard, Riker, and Worf welcome Celia, who's a young woman and future leader, and her chaperone, Anya. Picard tries to be nice and arrange a ship tour, but Anya shuts it down immediately and says, No, we're going to the quarters where it's safe. No wandering around. Okay, we're going to uh, keep you under lock and key, uh, you know, future leader of the planets, and... Uh... You know, so you don't like stub a toe or something. So on the way to the quarters, they run into Wesley, who's struck dumb because there's a girl. It's like, oh my, my stars and garters. There's a teenage girl on the yeah, ship. I, you know, all the others have kind of like vanished at some point. So this is a change of pace. She's very impressed by Wesley's magnet. Excited yep. about everything because she's never been away from the planet and just read it's, stuff. <laughs> it's like, holy crap, that's a magnet. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, is that a magnet in your pocket? <laughs> it is <laughs> uh Riker teases Wesley a bit about girls he's very rare form this episode because Riker is just amazing he's the best part of the episode completely awesome no notes <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know it's like oh uh, who is she oh it's a uh, governess I think <laughs> <laughs> G great great line so they get underway under impulse power because they need to be slow the amount of distance they're going to be able to travel at sub-light speeds while they're repairing the light speed engines is going to be so immaterial to their overall yeah. journey they may as well just sit still yeah it's like well we've cut off um a quarter of a second uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, then again sometimes the impulse uh drive seems to be like it can technically go ftl but only if you keep it on for like a week or so it seems to go ftl immediately because it takes them all of five minutes to get out of the solar system yeah <laughs> which even going at full-on relativistic speeds should take you a couple of days <laughs> it's like oh yeah we're finally cleared to the outermost planet of the system uh so uh we still got you know a couple years to go <laughs> so troy's a bit concerned because they're new guests emotions don't match who they are or what they are or something i don't know something's off though well are they happy when they look happy is, is that the problem that that's they're not? very non-specific yeah <laughs> card reaches out to check no. on them they're fine okay shut up go away <laughs> so now we get some backstory hooray celia is the child of people who are on two sides of civil war 
Her planet is tidally locked, so they have no day-night cycle. One side's always facing the sun, one side's always facing the not-sun, and the two cultures have been in conflict for all of their recorded history, probably because one side is unlivable and the other side is differently unlivable. Yes. So, uh, sounds like their planet sucks, just like the planet they left. She so, is supposed to bridge yeah. the gap and bring peace. This should be a clue that these people are not humanoid, because... In theory, you would have a very, very narrow strip of livable area on a tidally locked planet. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to have the light side and the dark side, and it binds the universe together or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess there is room for some exceptions. Like, uh, you, know, you know, if you are very far away from the sun, you could have the uh, light side, you know, just uh, being able to sort of, you know, have its heat convect away to the dark side of the planet so the you know one side is livable but not the other side or the inverse you have it very close to the sun uh and so you get the sort of you know superheated air from the light side coming around and keeping you warm on the dark side uh but uh you know generally the tidally locked means yeah just along the twilight zone or the dark side <laughs> is filled with volcanic vents and they all live off of the geothermal heat like those those deep ocean critters oh yeah That'd be cool. Yeah, but they don't have enough aliens that live off geothermal yeah, energy. We had the, the Horta there, but they were just like, we live off rocks, not, you know, so geology, not geothermal. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty unusual, but we do have a small subset of animals on Earth that don't use solar energy in any capacity. Here's a uh, picture of uh, something from a deep sea vent. This thing, you know, uh, has no eyes, and uh, so we can flash as much light as we like at it until it gets a sunburn. Because I won't know what's going on. <laughs> so Slea's in her room with a teenage girl who we've never seen before. And is talking about being a leader, bringing peace, etc. The girl then turns into a small fuzzy creature that clicks and gives her a hug. Ewok. Yeah. <laughs> it's your best friend, the Ewok, who turns into a hot teen girl. <laughs> Keep it away from Wesley. Things might get weird. <laughs> <laughs> so in engineering, Wesley's distracted. He's not doing his work well. The forge has to chastise him multiple times, including almost blowing up something. Oh no, that's the uh, oh crap alarm. Um, Wesley, get out of here. Yeah, the forge decides that Wesley is too hormonal to be useful, so he should just go to talk to girls instead of blowing up the warp yeah, core. You don't want to die because you were kind of, you know, in the mood. <laughs> now, Wesley seeks advice from the crew about how to talk to women. <laughs> A glorious montage begins. Worf screams. Women scream and throw things, and the men read poetry. Uh, Klingon men read poetry while women throw things at them. He ducks a lot. <laughs> Data suggests that they are probably biologically compatible life forms based on an initial survey of their general anatomy. Cool. <laughs> and uh, Riker demonstrates flirting with Guinan until Wesley's told to just go away. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we're, we've, we've started flirting, and now we're seeing where this is going. Uh, get out of here. <laughs> Picard offers another tour of the ship. Uh, Anya takes it with Worf uh, leaving Celia alone. Anya takes everything super seriously. She's angry LaForge is doing repairs because the repairs have a small amount of danger of going wrong. She's really intense about it. Pions could be dangerous. Well, they're not likely to show up. And also, your room's not next to the warp core, lady. Come on. <laughs> so they're wandering around. She's being intense. Uh, back at the quarters, Celia finds Wesley creeping around outside. And uh, goes, I need help with the food thingy, so you should come into my room. Okay. <laughs> uh, sh he teaches her how to yell at the wall. No. 
See, in our culture, we yell at the wall, not each other. I just think, it's like, how does the food dispenser work? It's like, well, you walk up to the wall and you yell food. Computer, give me the food. Are you ready for the food? Yes. They talk about all the things that he's seen and places he's gone and stuff. She goes, oh, I want to see the universe. And then he starts dragging her off somewhere. Well, uh, that whole stay inside and uh, not go out and thing plan is kind of falling apart. A little bit. How's Anya doing? So Anya's in sick bay. Um, she and Worf arrive on the tour. Pulaski's treating a crewman who has a mild infection, but it's contagious. And Anya demands that he be killed to prevent the infection from reaching Celia. Well, um no <laughs> it's just treatable you yeah. know that means you know it's probably treatable for her too uh, what's, what's going on pulaski refuses anya turns into a giant fuck yes. off bear uh, suddenly we have a wookie not an ewok yeah it's it's a huge thing with claws and stuff and goes to maul the dude to death uh wharf wrestles eyes. her away while pulaski calls for security picard shows up and Anya calms down and turns into a human again. Now, I will note that Anya's uh, sort of yelling and screaming was a little bit like what uh, Worf had been demonstrating earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't reading Romance the poetry, though. <laughs> well, he was kind of being choked at the time. He couldn't really read the poetry. <laughs> if you can't read the poetry while being choked, I mean, it's not going to work out. Uh, Picard orders Anya to go back to her quarters and please be human. For the remainder of the trip. Yeah, that kind of freaked us out, and uh, we're afraid of you, but, you know, we're still trying to be polite here, but, you know, don't do that, come on. Pulaski's read about species called alasomorphs that can change their molecular structure at will. Um, cool. Um, do we need to, like, worry about these sort of things where maybe they're, like, infiltrating our society and, you know, trying to, uh, have us, you know, bow down to them like gods at some point. I don't know. I'm sure this is the fourth or fifth time we'll forget they exist before DS9 makes a big deal about it. <laughs> no, I, I will, you know, argue that generally the uh, the changelings of DS9 uh, are apparently able to also change their size dramatically. Uh, and uh, most of the others can't uh, imitate non-living entities. Yeah, as far generally. as we see, yeah. generally. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're on the holodeck. Wesley's showing Celia various planetscapes. She's impressed because she won't get to travel and do stuff because, you know, she's going to be in charge of a planet. Well, maybe you can uh, take everyone on your planet on vacation somewhere. Uh, Worf and Anya have a stare down when she returns to the quarters because they're threatening each other. It's like, I would win in a fight. I would win in a fight. Hmm, I guess we'll mm -hmm. have to find out someday. Yeah. And uh, she goes inside, goes, what the fuck? calls picard and goes hey salia's gone well where'd you put her Did you put me in the wrong room what's going on come on uh, salia is in 10 forward where wesley's giving her chocolate Guyana's being a little too complicit in this interaction uh Celia talks about she doesn't want to be trapped in a leadership role but she can't she has to stay on her planet but she wants to really explore and leave with wesley and stuff wesley says she could stay and she gets upset and runs away well, maybe, Wesley, you should have suggested that she reform you know, the system there away from monarchy so that uh, she can enter early retirement once uh, things have like, chilled out. Yeah, I think we should get you should get yourself in a position where you get voted <laughs> off. It's like, sweet, I can leave. Bye. After she runs away, Guinan goes, hey, you should chase her because Guinan does not respect women's boundaries, apparently. Yeah, Guinan, maybe she's still just kind of in, all flustered from Riker earlier. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Wesley wants to know what's happening. So he is upset about how his life is so amazing. Um, but they can't talk because Anya and Picard come around the corner and tell Wesley to back the fuck off. Yeah, uh, Wesley, uh, you know, if you don't, like, chill out here and go away, 
you might just get you know ripped in half so just yeah. fyi so the forge finishes his work on the engines they can now get underway properly uh they'll be at their destination in a few hours card talks to wesley about how he'd normally leave all this alone because crewman's personal lives and all that but you know this could start a war so probably yeah. <laughs> don't do that yeah wesley uh you need to be a little chill on this here so uh but i guess if you do want to like get in a weird relationship that does cause a war maybe also don't be doing it with there's a threat of uh you know very easy death for you on the, uh, the uh, yeah the you're gonna get here. ripped in half dude so they arrive at the planet it's got the same hostile environment as the one that they left and they can't communicate because of that so much interference and stuff so all they can do is wait uh wesley's yeah. <laughs> back in his quarters we're just sulking but Celia snuck out to see him came to make out and they do until anya shows up in monster mode Celia then turns into a different monster, and they sort of tear at each other until they both return to human form. Yeah, so uh, apparently they're generally immune to each other in this yeah. form, I guess. I guess the uh, fighting on their planet isn't that actually so, helpful then. Wait, why are yeah. we doing this? <laughs> I, I, don't, the, I don't know. They just randomly sort of bat at each other until uh, they stop. Yeah. So the planet sends down uh, beam down instructions and stuff. Um, so it's about time to go. Celia prepares to leave. Anya goes, okay, I'm not going with you. Bye. I live on the moon. I, I am a yep. moon person. <laughs> Goodbye. That was her home before, and she's going to go back. So, you know, good luck with all the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I might have, uh, you know, sort of treated you as my own daughter here and been, uh, you know, very emotionally connected to you. But, yeah, we're never going to see so each other Worf again. So takes Anya to the transporter where they talk about how much they respect each other and how it'd be fun to see who could rip whose throat out. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe we'll be in a battle on the same side someday. That'll be cool, too. So Slayer comes to see Wesley, and he's an absolute ass. She yeah. was just playing humanoid. Can you even have emotions? You weren't what you look like. Oh, my God. You know, I'm so shallow right now that I just, yeah. I just can't. So she leaves, goes, okay, time to beam down all sad, and then Wesley suddenly shows up with chocolate. He's like, hey, sorry, I was an ass. Here's some ice cream. Yeah, I, I'm not that shallow now. Yeah. Right? So, sh show me what Then she wants him to leave because she needs to become her true form to beam down. And he's like, that's okay. I, I'm i not going to be weird like before, I guess. And then she turns into a light glob. Alright, so you're some sort yeah. of nightlight. And beams down to the planet. So Wesley doesn't have a problem with the, with the glowing orb. It's uh, just giant, you know... Tear you in half monsters. So then forward, Wesley is sulking. Guinan comes to talk to him and goes, you know, this is normal. You'll fall in love again, probably. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you'll love Not like <laughs> you're gonna suddenly like phase to another plane of existence before you meet somebody. Yeah. That'd be weird, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> or you know, or you freeze time and then you know go to the far parts of the universe and then bend reality so that you end up in a uh, like a two-minute no. cameo someday we're just not going to address how he's is this blatantly blatantly the ass and completely wrong in this situation it's like oh pining it's like well i guess you're being a weird teenager <laughs> and we're also in a tv show where we need to wrap up the plot here yep. super quick so okay. that was all that's it that's all that's the thing <laughs> yeah so uh the, the, the dolphin it's his so it's an episode of Star Trek The Next yeah. Generation. It's pretty forgettable. Like the the creatures are a little memorable, but why 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 
is this whole thing with Wesley? Why? <laughs> now, uh, uh, before we get to that, I, I do want to say that, uh, you know, my, my favorite parts of this episode were definitely Anya going around just being surly yeah. at everybody. Like, what is this? Kill him. Kill him <laughs> before he infects. Which also, like, this doesn't make any sense. You're, you're weird light beings. You could probably turn into that yeah. microbe. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's, you should be able to, like, just generate a new immune system that, you know, does what it needs to. Or completely different biology now because you are super changing. Yeah, people. how is the orb of light going to be infected by a virus? One asks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you even need to breathe? I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, it's time to stop ignoring mm. it. Yeah. There's there's things. There's interpretations. <laughs> oh no! You weren't what I thought you were, and thus I'm going to ignore all the emotions and uh, you know interactions we've had up until this point because I'm being a shallow. Yeah. This ass. is very much a um, probably not intentional. I, I'm not going to say that they intentionally wrote this in. But that part of the episode, which, like, why did they even keep that in there? Why have that? Why have Wesley suddenly be like, you lied to me about who you are for five seconds and then immediately turn around and bring in ice cream and go, sorry, I was wrong. Yeah, it's... <sighs> There's a lot of other things going on in this episode, generally, that you didn't need this sudden twist and then yeah it was weird it was just weird and it was completely out of character also yeah yeah it would have i guess made more sense like okay so he's you know sort of in a weird you know sort of reactions like i'm not sure what to make of this quite yet but and then sort of then immediately jump on to the you know but i'm you know i'm going to be the person i've always been up until this point and you know you know try to uh understand what you are as opposed to Mm. just So, of course, I'm going to say again, probably unintentional. I'm not accusing people of shit. It's just an unfortunate thing that's always around in these old shows to one extent or another. This is an incredibly Mm -hmm. transphobic trope. This idea that who you were, what you used to look like, is so intrinsic to your identity that not revealing it to people is this major betrayal or lie that you're just foisting on them. You're like, this is a legitimate turf talking point. It's this stupid thing they have about not not revealing your previous identity. I can't even say it in a way that isn't transphobic because it's sort of tied up in this shit. But like not revealing your your like assigned birth sex is tantamount to non consensual relationships because you didn't have all the available information and all this weird bullshit that they bring in. So uh, no one else uh, people don't have all the information about uh, when you first meet them and you start in a uh, sort of a a light dating sort of situation. You're complete yeah. life <laughs> i know it's, it's so when you meet someone new for the first time it's like hi my name is at one point i was a baby i am no longer a baby yep. <laughs> i have gone through a hormonal life change 
that took me from being a prepubescent into an adult. The hormones had some effect on my body. Yes. <laughs> as demonstrated here. Now, I've, uh, I've grown. I've had various uh, uh, aspects about me uh, change and uh, evolve over time. And uh, I want to go through every single one of those yeah. with you so that you know that I'm being totally At one on point, I had at least two more teeth than I have now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not before. Before, I had an entire mouthful of different teeth. Yes. And uh, they kind of fell yeah. out at various points. And it was kind of weird. I understand if you would um, like to date someone with original teeth. I mean, I wouldn't because that would be pedophilia. But <laughs> Or alternatively, someone who j had their uh, baby teeth just kind of stick around somehow. And their adult teeth are there. Yeah. That would be weird. I, I understand that you don't want me to be lying about my, my tooth anatomy. <laughs> at some point, you might want to be near my mouth in various uh, relationship capacities. Yeah. Yeah, and so I want to be totally honest that I've, I I used mm -hmm. to have baby teeth. I no At one point in my in my past, my eyes worked fine. Now they don't, and I need to wear a corrective <laughs> prosthetic. You know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, for some that will be like very obvious. Others, well, they got contact lenses. So it's like, yes, I have contact lenses. I want you to know that because I am being completely honest about everything as demanded by people that have you know weird yeah. <laughs> expectations for all this so and this this one so accidentally hits so much shit because i can i can look at this i know why they made all these decisions like they wanted some kind of conflict they wanted to have like oh how would a shape changer interact with someone who stays the same shape all the time um what does he do when he finds out she's not a hot girl like the finding out that they weren't always a hot girl or aren't always a hot girl, I guess in this case, is bad enough as that particular transphobic trope. The fact that it is way cheaper to make a large prosthetic costume out of fur makes it even worse because you're basically going from look at this cute, hot, 20-something-year-old girl to oh my god, big, hairy, covered monster. I, I I I do like Anya's uh, big uh, monster form uh, better than mm -hmm. than uh, Salia's, uh, but I think they've you know spent a little bit yeah. more time on the one over the other. But yes, <laughs> and now every like that one's obviously transphobic when you're dealing with someone who is a twenty-something-year-old hot girl because of the hair thing. Though also we tell everyone in our society to remove copious amounts of hair. Wow. Shave this part, shave that part, cut this bit, trim that, and uh, if it's uh, not perfectly, uh, you know, sculpted, that means you are one of those ugly yeah. people, <gasps> or or you're you're even worse. You're some sort of uh, social outcast, ruffian, or someone who is uh, trying to uh, to make a weird statement that we don't agree with, and but we're not going to explain yeah. what we don't agree yep, with. Yeah, that as well. So like this. If you wanted to be very charitable, then um, if you take the, yes, of, I'm sure unintentional transphobia of the episode and just put it into like your general sitcom tropes, then at absolute best, the thing you're working with here is that sitcom trope of dating a hot woman who at one point you see without makeup when they haven't like been able to do all of their stuff and you go oh my god they are not perfect and you freak the hell out and then later you bring ice cream and they forgive you for being a shallow ass 
for some reason. <laughs> the uh, I, I guess the uh, the the I guess the 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 term the trope term I guess is you know uh, you don't don't look at me without my yeah. face. It's like, what? what? what <laughs> it's like oh the makeup oh it's not you okay you, you know all right. i mean i guess in this case it's literal at the end <laughs> she goes i don't want you to see me without my face but i am going to be able to look at your face just it's and going. the amount of the amount of non-consensual shit that they're doing in this episode it's all it's all like low key. It's that like, oh, why are you complaining about this style stuff? But like Guinan's advice of chase after the woman who just ran from you crying. Uh. <laughs> no, she's unhappy with what you have been doing and what you're about. And yeah, don't don't you know, be coming in, putting pressure on her. Uh, you'll give her some space. Some you know, and uh, she's trying to establish some boundaries. So yeah, don't do yeah. that. And then later, at the end, when she says specifically, I want you to remember me like this because you previously freaked the fuck out when you found out I could shapeshift. He goes, no, 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 don't worry. It's fine. I'm just going to stand here while you're on a timer to beam down to your homeworld so you can't really, you know, do much about me just standing here. Yeah. But it's uh, sweet, though, right? <sighs> yeah, there's just so much crap here that just like, okay, so all this kind of comes out of various, you know, awkward relationship stuff that, you know, is, was, you know, is and is still heavy in TV productions where we need to have a, a relationship, but we only have guest star to have it with. So we have to speed run everything. And so we're going to shorten it using all these horrible tropes that are just crap. And yeah. So instead of, you know, it's like, oh, she ran away. All right, I'm going to let her have her space, let her have her boundaries. And, you know, I'll reach out later when, you know, maybe we're both calmer and, you know, sort of apologize and, you know, maybe try to figure out a way to communicate better and, you know, repair, you know patch things up that that way. But no, we don't got time for that. So we're going to, it's like, oh, just run after her and she'll, she'll love you for it. That's not What's how it odd works. is... Why? Why did they rush it? Because, like, I mean, literally what else happened in this episode? The entire episode was this relationship. You could have started it about 20 minutes earlier and had time to go through any of that instead of shoving the entire relationship conflict into literally the last two minutes of the episode. You know, uh, maybe have uh, Wesley, you know, discover she's a shape changer a lot earlier. And then, you know, he maybe has some freak out at the, at the start because like, oh, big, scary monster. I'm sorry. But I'm having kind of some reactions to that. I might be about to be killed sort of thing. Uh, and so you know, then you can sort of work in that, you know, it's like, all right, he has some, you know, bad reactions here, but he's trying to like overcome them. And we actually see him struggle with that. And then eventually succeed. And like, okay, so we can still make something work of here. Oh, you have to go, though. Yeah, that two sucks. Things. Like the, ah. the character that we know, this like Federation explorer, idealistic genius kid, the fact that he has this much of a problem with an alien looking different is insanely out of character for everything we've been shown. Yes. Like, 
they would be much more realistic for the character to have like them freak out about it have her and the other and her steward freak out about it because they don't think yeah. humans can <laughs> accept this sort of thing and have wesley be the pinnacle of humanity that sees people for who they really are and their soul and all that shit yeah that whole content of your character sort of thing as opposed to i'm scared of a big monster or glowy person there was also a really good way to they they did a really good job with this in a strange way uh one of the discworld books has a character who is a werewolf and she winds up in a relationship with one of the main characters in this in this particular series and at one point before she's decided to tell him that she's a werewolf he like opens the curtains or something lets the moonlight in um she transforms he turns around he didn't see the transformation he turns around suddenly sees a wolf in his room freaks out a bit and she runs and then has this whole internal monologue of oh my god they always do this they they freak the hell out as soon as things and then at some point they go through basically like he apologizes for having a negative reaction but also no one fucking expects to turn around and suddenly see a giant wolf in their room so like yeah. it's an understandable like surprise reaction that both of them took a little too seriously and then they talked about it yes yeah that's you know the sort of i guess uh outcome i'd like to see more of honestly it's like oh i was caught off guard you know that one's particularly weird and unrealistic because you're not going to suddenly turn around and have the partner that you've been with suddenly transformed into a different person yeah <laughs> it is uh unlikely to happen in reality but you know yeah it is a, it is a slow <laughs> process it will take several months at least yes but what if you get frozen in time for several months? <laughs> so, uh, would you like to hear my uh, alternative explanation about what's actually going on? Yeah, what was what was your alternative explanation that, that saves us from having to talk about this too much more? <laughs> All right, so uh, Wesley is someone who has been flying around on the Enterprise for a while, and... You know, we have encountered aliens of various sorts and uh, various different sort of value systems. And to, you know, one of the things, you know, he needs to sort of learn in all of that, that different aliens might have very different perspectives on the world than, than you or I. And so there could be an interpretation where he, uh, you know, views the situation not as I'm rejecting you for being different, uh, and having different forms and different realities about you. Uh, I'm rejecting you because I you know, don't know what your intentions are, and I need to figure out what those are first before I can actually trust you. I know it's kind of a crap thing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, except he directly says blatantly xenophobic shit. And, you know, I, I guess in, to, to continue with my sort of, uh, uh, you know, alternative view here is that, you know, that xenophobic nonsense is, you know, very much a, you know, he's a young kid and doesn't quite know how to deal with this in sort of particular situation anymore. And, uh, and you know, he really should have from the very beginning been, you know, skeptical about this, uh, you know, alien beings sort of intentions with him. And so... 
you know, they're, you know, this, this sort of reaction is, you know, in some ways him realizing, oh, I've been an idiot, but I'm lashing out at someone else instead of, you know, trying to uh, sort out my own, own uh, crap. You're here. really giving him a lot of credit yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I say it's not a good alternative, but it I is I think the one. fact that he just comes out and says, can you even have emotions? He doesn't know, honestly. Uh, it is a little absurd given that, you know, Data is like the only being we've run into that doesn't. So, like, uh, you know, even the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the silicon life from home soil are like, yeah, we can experience fear. Yeah, so mm -hmm. we have emotions. So <laughs> stop trying to well, kill it's us. That good old, um, it's that good old misinterpretation of the, uh, the Turing test that... You're not trying to prove whether something is sentient or has emotions, because that's impossible. You're saying, if the way that you interact with me seems sentient and emotional, that's close enough. We yep. don't need to <laughs> prove it definitively. Indeed, uh, we just recently had an episode where that was sort of a uh, thing that, yeah, we can't <laughs> prove it uh, definitively, mm -hmm. so uh, so deal with it. Uh, so yeah, so... Uh, Wesley, uh, you, know, you uh, are either messed up in one way or another, and you need to get over yourself here, though we could just blame mm. the writers. The one day. thing that I absolutely hate in this era of TV writing, especially for women, is uh, the complete and utter lack of agency that they give her in the resolution of the conflict. <laughs> It's like, it's like, oh, uh, Wesley is angry, and now yeah. he's not. He comes in, she he says, really oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't realize what a dick I was being somehow. Here's some ice cream. And because we need to resolve the episode in a happy way for him, yeah. it would be a lot better. It would be a lot better of a life lesson, even, instead of the ending of, like, don't worry, teenagers, you'll fall in love again. If it was, yeah, you mm -hmm. fucked up and you should learn from this experience. Yeah, I, I would prefer that uh, sort of end, uh, you know, end there. Uh, you know, it's like, Wesley, you're uh, going to, um, you know, remember this now. And uh, maybe if we, when we want to bring up continuity when he's uh, involved in a relationship down the road, we could have him sort of allude to this. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I fell in love with, you know, uh, once, but it, uh, well, I messed up and... Uh, I had to learn from it. I think it'd be much better to have and, more. Yeah. This is this is an underrepresented thing in relationships on television of any era. It'd be very useful to demonstrate that yes, especially in these very early stages of a relationship, you can indeed fuck it up beyond repair. And the yeah. fact that you can't immediately fix it and have that be a relationship that you wanted despite you fucking it up that badly. Like, that's normal, and you need to get used to that as a possibility. Instead of, you could bring someone ice cream and all will be instantly forgiven. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, maybe there is uh, another uh, uh, sort of an interpretation here that she was just um, uh, humoring him. That's at the fair, because I'm never going to see this kid again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can have a smile on my face because, you know... This isn't a form I usually take on, so you know, I can play act as whoever I like. And uh, he has already accused me of lying, so 
might as well at this point. So, yeah, I'll be nice to you. Yeah, this Bye. is her first act of uh, bullshitting people as the new queen or whatever her title is. It's like, yes, I'm being very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that might have been a, a different way to like rework the entire episode is that, you know, instead of sort of being focused on Wesley having relationship, you know, issues where he doesn't know how not to be an ass about it, uh, have it that, you know, she's, you know, sure on one side trying to be, you know, you know, you know indulging all, all these sort of, uh, you know, universe experiences that he's, uh, you know, uh, you know, can talk to her and show her and all that sort of thing. But is also very interested in, it's like, I've not really interacted with people other than Anya. So it would be kind of nice to have any practice whatsoever in, you know, uh, you know, like, say, convincing someone of something. So, uh, you know, Wesley, could you help me out here? Uh, all right. So... I want you to do this. And it's like, well, I don't want to do that. That sounds lame. And you're like, well, you know, maybe, you know, I want, you know, I want to try to convince you how to, you know, that this is a good idea. I'm like, all right, give it, give it a shot. And she has one shot at it. And then she tries a different tactic. And maybe by the third time, it's like, all right, that one's actually kind of reasonable, but you should have really led uh, all of that on sort of thing. And, you know, sort of had a sort of a, everyone's learning sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, Star Trek's pretty cool when it does that, where you know, we don't necessarily understand each other very well, but sometimes if we're willing to you know, reach out and work together, we can come up with something uh, you know, good for all of us. Yeah, you aren't, uh, you aren't really going to like show them understanding each other's culture or interacting well or anything. They do this six or seven times in different guises they've never handled it particularly well and they could that this this is essentially a yep. <laughs> like a soft reboot of the original series eldritch creatures episode where they gave them so much human stuff that they basically um were able to become too drunk to take over yes <laughs> what is this it's green so this one was more of um, the emotional joys of suddenly being a human teenager. Mm -hmm. Which you could do. You could do something. You could have her interacting with it in a strange way that slowly makes sense over time when you figure out that she's not actually a human teenager. And this is a completely yes. novel experience <laughs> for her. Right down to the way of interacting with the world in a body. Like, oh, I can pick things up. Weird. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other than that, other than completely rewriting the episode, <laughs> there's there's absolutely <laughs> no reason for this episode to exist. The whole plot of Wesley falls in love doesn't, they aren't, they don't do anything with it. It's just there, but it's also the only thing happening in the entire episode. They barely even have a side well, plot in this one. Well, maybe another way to rework this one would be actually to cut out Wesley and uh, Salia's, you know, relationship entirely and then uh, have it actually be about Anya getting more and more yeah. surly. As she she and Worf fall in love. <laughs> and then they, you know, they, uh, they, they have a good moment and then there's a relationship there instead. So instead of ask, like, they ask what species they are 
Celia shows up as human. Anya shows up in a complete face shroud. Then yep. later, <laughs> after she's had a look around and determined who the best person to be would be, she shows up as a Klingon female. <laughs> dun dun dun! And then Worf's like, I'm surprised. I thought you would be you know, look mm. the same. <laughs> There's so much about And then you turn their away. whole thing. Then you can do both because then you can have, you can keep the stupid relationship, but make that a, more of the side story of Wesley and he and Worf are going through the thing at the same time. And you see the difference in cultures and ways of approaching relationships. And, uh, you know, as uh, Worf put it, uh, you know, Wesley would beg like a human mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> eventually Worf would have to do something. You could even have, you could have Wesley freak out when they figure out the shape-shifting thing and Worf have a big speech about the heart of a warrior. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I'm going to uh, to show you all that I am now and I, I can't change my form here, but I'm going to talk about... Klingon things. Well, oh, you know, he's, he's fallen in love with the heart of a warrior instead of, like, with the physical mm -hmm. appearance. Exactly. Etc. And, uh, you are a true warrior. And I love that about you. Let's, uh, let's no. uh, spend some And then he and Wesley could have done something interesting. So, yeah, you could just add. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, this, this is a stupid yeah. trash episode that brings in, like, unintentional but not entirely unintentional transphobia because it was the 80s yes so uh, yeah if, if you you know you fall in love with somebody folks uh, remember yeah. you fell in love with them yeah that's you, you, your heart your heart led you there be cool with it yeah stop being a dick and ice cream doesn't fix anything yes uh though i guess maybe the number, number of times ice cream shows up in the series from this part and then onward Maybe their ice cream's like laced with something. Yeah, chocolate is not chocolate anymore. <laughs> At some point in the future, they bred the cocoa beans to be heroin. Yes. <laughs> that is why Troy is so obsessed with chocolate. Also known as midichlorians. <laughs> mm, yes, uh, our, our chocolate on the Enterprise always seems to taste weird. I always get like these weird, like intense shakes and cravings later. I... Yeah, that's why. Uh, <laughs> that's why half of her character is mm, chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, especially in the early uh, seasons, uh, the other half of her characters, I'm going to be kind of spacey about emotions. Yeah, she gets more character later, but yeah, eventually. Yeah, I think yes. we might have. Uh... Dang it, writers! Why you couldn't? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we might have plumbed the depths, the incredibly, incredibly shallow, shallow depths of this one. Oh, uh, so I, I guess it's time for us to start admitting some pions, right? Yeah. It's also time for us to go to the galaxy's favorite game show! Woo!
Hey everybody, welcome to the galaxy's favorite game show. We got a number of contestants here that have uh, racked up quite the body count. I mean, a, a number of points here. So uh, let's get rolling. The first prize is the hide your power level prize, which goes to Anya for hiding just how powerful she is until it's time to kill Worf. What does she win? I don't Jonathan? know what it's called because I haven't engaged in Dragon Ball Z beyond memes. But she gets one of those little eyepiece things that reads your power level. Ah. So she can give it to Worf. Scouter. And go, how powerful am I? <laughs> Something around, uh, it, there's a nine <laughs> involved, I think, here. But everyone else knows that the meme is. So well, let's skip that and uh, get to the question. For, for most of my childhood, that was my entire knowledge of Dragon Ball Z, was the clip of the one guy going, rah, and somebody goes, oh, and then rah. And was, it's okay. Why do people watch this? Because people beating yeah. each other up. Yeah, I used to watch it when I was young, but yes. <laughs> the uh, the second prize is the Berserker Button Prize, which goes to Salia for hulking out, but only when Wesley is threatened. What does she oh, win? Oh god, I just realized you could also make it a PMS metaphor. Because oh, she dear. gets fixed with chocolate. Jesus. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's get get back to the, the, the prizes here, hopefully. <laughs> she wins mm. some nice bows and a comb and stuff, because apparently the main problem is she needed to have like a bow in her hair so you could recognize that the big fuck-off bear monster was still a girl. Hmm. Then Wesley wouldn't have been so uh, awkward yeah. and pissed or off. you could nice. make it pink. Yes. <laughs> The, uh, the third prize is the TV Love Story Prize, which goes to Wesley for having crushed the most awful TV way possible, including just taking away all you know agency from his crush. What is he The only Devlin? natural evolution of this, as far as Wesley's concerned, is to just turn into a harem anime. Wesley is just on a ship surrounded by anime girls who are obsessed with him and he's just this clueless about all of it that's the only place this can go really tenchi wesley <laughs> i think i could see it actually um but i kind of don't want to actually hmm. anyway our last prize is the surprise ship prize uh which goes to Riker and gynan because we're not talking spaceships here it but it works though kind of you know what do they win, Gabby? They win. We're going to Riker's room because, you know, we all know she doesn't want a random white dude living in her house. But uh, Riker's uh, A-OK -okay with having his uh, place be a love shack. Bang, bang, bang on the door, <laughs> baby. Da, da. Anyway, take us away, Gabby, yeah, before you get no saved worse. Let's, 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 okay, Galaxy's favorite game show. Get us out of here. Woo! Close yeah. one. Yeah. They were singing. So uh Yeah, so uh are are we uh are we going on to more Star Trek? I know because um we do this arbitrary thing where every now and then we do a movie to keep ourselves sane, um, you know, create Google search engagement, uh give people a place to listen to episodes that they don't feel like they have to have listened to two hundred episodes before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ramp on yeah, all that everywhere. great, great stuff.
Um, so yeah, this time it's my turn to pick. Uh, I've been given some mulling over some possibilities. I think that because it kind of um, had a, it had like a bit of an anniversary recently. Uh, it wasn't appreciated well at the time. I think what I'm going to go with is the uh, 2012 action sci-fi movie Dread, based on the Judge Dread comics. I'd like to uh, get to see that in one sitting myself. I've seen it almost entirely, but in like three yeah, or four it is, sittings. So. It is very good. <laughs> I, this is one that I will definitely give a bit of a preface warning to. This is a quite intensely violent movie. It is. It is not shying away from any of the stuff that they have have had in this series like like dread is a very judge dread is a is a violent comic book and they do not do anything less than what they do in the comic books it's very stylized it's it's, uh, it's really really stylized and has some interesting stuff but do have a warning it has an r rating for a good reason you know it's all the blood and violence and explosions and oh gosh We've been shot a lot. But like this is and so this is my else. excuse to be able to talk about Judge Dredd, which is a comic series that I very much like and enjoy and have for a long time, without having to watch Sylvester Stallone play Dredd in, in the '90s version. Yes, yeah, so, which I do have a soft spot for that version myself. Uh, so you know, you know don't oh, I mean, come on, that is for it. That is sci-fi is camp. Campy. That is the campiest yes. <laughs> sci-fi movie I've ever seen. He's got golden leather shoulder pads. The man, the man yes, works uh, it. It is, it is like the epitome. If if Judge Dredd was drag, it would be the '90s version of Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Like this is the campiest sci-fi yep. movie in existence, but it's not good. <laughs> nope, <laughs> it's not good. Uh. But, uh, it's like, all right, so uh, we got a, a plucky sidekick and uh, Judge Dredd doing stuff, and we got some bad guy stuff going on, and there's a yeah. robot, I guess. There's a murder and, bot. Uh, and the... there's also, yeah, murder bot and stuff at the Wastelands, and uh, yeah, we meet that guy that left early on, and yeah. <laughs> and then it all gets resolved. Also, there's a Statue of Liberty, and they're like set up there. It's it's insane. So we're not so we're not covering yeah we're not covering that version. <laughs> no, we're covering the other version that has uh, Carl Urban in it as Judge Dredd, the one where he doesn't take off his helmet because you don't take off your helmet. Yes, it is an important symbol. So anyway, yeah, this is it's you know people know we'll go over more based on it's it's a fascinating perspective on american politics because it is a british sci-fi pulp series lampooning american justice politics yes and uh there's a lot to lampoon so it's interesting and the the 2012 version was very well done and didn't get any of the attention that it deserved it's been like a, like 10 years out since they released the thing so it's time that people have started talking about it again yes Let's yeah, do next this. time we have extreme violence what don't watch it with kids yeah. don't watch it with yeah. us <laughs> so dread next time go go judge jury and executioner etc
next time on Watchers of Tomorrow, Kepwin is the law. You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbeam, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs>